Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. This test match against England coming up at the weekend is, for me anyway, the defining test match of the winter. It really has not been a season without edge, has it? I mean, it's had feeling, it's had everything. At one point, we were all looking for Ian Foster to get sacked. It was on the cards, and then a miraculous uh, recovery at Alice Park in Johannesburg has sparked uh, a situation where he's pretty much firmly ensconced, or is he? It's been such a roller coaster year. The Irish came through uh, victorious. Uh, there were changes uh, bringing in Jason Ryan from uh, the Crusaders. The Bledisloe Cup, the Rugby Championship were locked away again, and just that one test against England left on what's been a pretty successful Northern Tour if you look at results uh, overall. No one better to review uh, where we're at right now with the All Blacks than uh, Grant Nisbet, of course, uh, out of Sky Sport, uh, who has had his uh, finger on the pulse for the whole of the 12 months. Nisbo, good morning to you. G'day, Smithy. Nice to talk to you, uh, mate, on the eve uh, of a weekend of uh, really, I think, defining rugby. Where does this test match sit for you in the calendar year? Oh, right up there. I think uh, being the last test of the year, of course, um, you know, we'll have to reflect over summer what we think of the all-black season. And, of course, they don't front up again until, uh, you know, midway through next year. So uh, this is going to be the one we remember probably the most. I mean, there's been some outstanding performances throughout the year. There's been some real low points. But when, uh, when you reflect on the year, you probably reflect on the game that's most recent, and that's going to be England. And, boy, is it going to be tough. It's an interesting point you make, actually, because normally uh, you would say England's a bit of a yardstick for us in terms of Northern Tours, but have Ireland sort of gazumped them a wee bit there? We're not playing Ireland on this tour, but we have played them, of course, this year. Uh, are Ireland more a yardstick than England these days, you feel? Well, and possibly France, too. And, of course, we didn't play them on this particular uh, tour either. You know, we saw what Ireland would do, could do when they were down here. Uh, a few months ago, and we we know they are outstanding. So uh, we know that they're the number team, number one team in the world at the moment. So um, it really only leaves England of the teams that you play up north. Uh, Ireland at the moment, anyway. Ireland, England, and France are the ones that you really want to get on top of. Uh, Wales haven't been uh, great for the last few years. Scotland have sort of come and go, uh, have come and gone a wee bit. But really, it's um, it's England, Ireland, and France, and of course, not being able to play France and Ireland on this particular venture, we really have to make our yardstick the England game, and um, and uh, you know we're going to learn a lot. We're going to find out exactly where we sit less than twelve months out from the World Cup. Right, let's look at uh, Ian Foster's selection for this one. Uh, I saw a headline on stuff that said it's his strongest side. How, how do you feel about the makeup? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I mean, you could argue a few places. It's, it's probably a little surprising that Mark Talia has made it into the starting lineup um, on the evidence of one game, but I thought it was a pretty compelling performance against Scotland. Sure, the two tries that he scored, um, most self-respecting wingers would score them, but it was his work uh, around the park, I think, that uh, probably endeared him to Foster, and so he got the nod at uh, 14. The other talking point, I suppose is uh, the fact that um, Scott Barrett is going to play on the blindside flank. And I think that's purely um, because they're looking for bulk and speed. Um, 
you know, Shannon Frizzell, uh, maybe not quite as big as Scott Barrett. Uh, it's pretty hard to leave Scott Barrett out at the moment. He's he's such a good player, but of course, with the return of Brody Retallick, they had to um, they had to find a spot for him somewhere. Uh, it is interesting that three years ago, um, the Steve Hansen put Scott Barrett at six in that uh, match at the World Cup in Japan, and admitted afterwards that if he had his time over again, he probably wouldn't have done that. But we're three years down the track. Things have changed. And uh, and so Scott Barrett is at number six. So I think they're probably the two big talking points. Uh, one of the other ones, before we get to Retallick, of course, it's a significant game for him this weekend after a suspension. Uh, but before we get to... Um before we get to Brody Retallick, I, I just want to in this bow, I distinctly remember, I think, sitting in a car with you and uh, and Justin after we left uh, Christchurch or, uh, well, I think it was one of the tests against Argentina, etc., which we'd lost. And we thought maybe that would be the end for Cody Taylor. Now, he starts again um, this weekend, which is, to me, a bit of, uh, well, it's a comeback from, from nowhere, really, because I think some people had written him off. Yeah, I think... I think he'd be the first to admit that his form over the last sort of 18 months hasn't been great. It wasn't great last year. It wasn't great for most part of this year either, but he looks to me like he's got a, um, he's been revitalized somehow. Maybe it's the, the fact that Jason Ryan is now working with him. I'm not sure. Um, but there'd probably still be some raised eyebrows about him starting ahead of uh, Tokiaho, who has done absolutely nothing wrong. Um, but, uh, boy, the Chiefs man can make some impact off the bench, can't he? And um, so they've gone kind of with the tried and true, I suppose you could say, and then expect to bring uh, Tokyo on with about maybe half an hour to go and um, and let him run rampant. So I'm not too surprised, but you're right. I think I think Taylor has, uh, he has found some form. Okay, right. Let's uh, look at uh, Brody Retallick, shall we? Yeah, Test match number 100. Of course, he's alongside uh, Whitelock, who Sam Whitelock, who brought that up quite some time ago. Um, in terms of their combination, in terms of Retallick, where do they sit now for you? Oh, they're right up there as a combination. In fact, um, I think they played their 64th Test together, which is a new record. Um, and they've become sort of part of the all-black fabric over the last seven or eight years. And uh, they're two sort of very different players. One is a workhorse, that's Sam Whitelock. He just uh, burrows away. Uh, Retallick is probably a little more spectacular in terms of lock forwards. He can run with the ball. He can make some big tackles. And I think he'd be pretty fired up after uh, missing the last two games. He wouldn't have enjoyed sitting in the grandstand and watching those uh, two matches. And I think he would have certainly targeted uh, this game. He, he is a quality lock. And in fact, you know, when you're picking all, all-time all-black teams, um, mm. Over the last hundred or so years, he'd be in the conversation, I think, along with the, you know, the Colin Meads, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, of our very best locks. And uh, it's great that he's got to 100. Um, he probably won't go much past the World Cup. In fact, a lot of these guys probably won't go much past the World Cup. But he has been an outstanding performer over the years for sure, and I reckon he will make a big impact at Twickenham. Okay, right. Uh, we start, there's been times throughout the year, Nisbo, um, when we've uh, looked at numbers 9 and 10 and we thought, have we really settled there? Uh, Aaron Smith's form was um, just a little bit average there earlier in the season and people were saying, who else at 9? Uh, and the Mwanga bowden barrett debate has been ongoing for years now. Uh, do we seem settled now in 9 and 10? Yeah, I think we do. Um, I mean, Smith was outstanding in Cardiff a couple of weeks ago too, and it, and it coincides with the performance of the forwards, doesn't it? I mean, 
anybody will tell you anything. Anyone who knows anything about rugby will tell you that number nines never look much good if the forwards are not dominant. And your black forwards this season haven't been great, uh, but they've improved as the year has gone on. And they were so dominant in Wales that it gave Aaron Smith a decent platform and we just saw what he can do. So let's hope that can continue. Um, Richie Moonga has done absolutely nothing wrong. And, um, and Bowden Barrett, uh, likewise, they really need to try and get both of them on the park. And that's, this is the great mm-hmm. compromise, of course, with Will Jordan not being there. Um, Bowden Barrett really um, puts his hand up to be the fullback. There's no question about that. In fact, I think he's probably a better 15 than easier 10 these these days. They just uh, last week they just didn't really click, did they? Jordy, um, it looks more like a 12 than a 15 these days, um, and it's rather funny, isn't it? That um, you know they're all changing jerseys. The Barrett brothers. Uh, last week we had uh, we had Jordy in 15. Now he's in 12. Bodie was in 10. Now he's in 15. Scott Barrett was like it. Now he's at six. Um, so it just shows how versatile they are. But but I think they have got the combination right now. I, it's interesting. I was just about to say to you, yeah, uh, all three of them are probably playing in different jerseys that we would have envisaged, uh, you know, throughout the year. So that's uh, an interesting factor to look out for. But great to have the three Barrett brothers in the starting 15. So uh, in essence, uh, in terms of a report card for the season, this result, of course, we're still is still pending. But uh, we've gone through a turbulent, probably one of the most turbulent seasons in terms of All Black Rugby. When you look at the coaching personnel, debate about the captaincy, etc. Uh, at the end of the, uh, at the end of it, Nisbo, um, how will, how will you feel if the All Blacks get up here? How will you feel about get the, us going forward? Well, we're hard markers, Smithy, aren't we? I mean, we expect, we mm. expect, uh, and the fans expect almost perfection out of the All Blacks. We're never happy when we lose. And, of course, we lost the series to Ireland. We lost to Argentina. And um, and that was unacceptable. We lost the first test to the Springboks. And uh, I think at that stage of the season, we'd be lucky if we'd got to halfway. We'd be lucky if we'd be marking them at five. But I think, um, you know, we've picked it up. We've retained the Bledisloe Cup. Uh, at times, not too convincingly. Certainly, the performance in Melbourne left a lot to be desired. Um, but they came away, of course, at Eden Park. Um, and our performances on the Northern Tour have been a little bit mixed, let's be honest about it. It wasn't great in Japan. Um, Scotland played very well against us, but we got through. We won the game. So I think if we beat England, we're probably looking at around seven, seven and a half. I mean, it hasn't been a great year. When you lose, what, four test matches, I think, uh, and you're an all-black team, you're never going to be looking like getting 10. Um, I reckon if you can beat um, South Africa in Johannesburg, and you can beat England at Twickenham, you deserve to probably come out with about a seven. Has the All Black 15 experiment, that little Northern Tour, been a success? Do you think they got out of it what they needed to? Oh, I think so. I mean, it's a bit hard to know what they were thinking, but I think we saw the next echelon of New Zealand players um, and, you know, just gave them a little bit of exposure. And, uh, you know, I think there's, there's some new All Black teams to be picked, not in 2023. I think we probably pretty much uh, set in stone he'll be playing in 2023. But once the World Cup is done and dusted and a lot of these veteran players are no longer available, I think you'll see some of the blokes who played in this uh, All Blacks 15, I think you'll see them start to emerge. And uh, the fact that they've had that experience of touring, which of course uh, doesn't happen a lot these days, uh, I think that it'll it'll, um, certainly be of value in the years to come.
Right, let's look at uh, England if we can briefly. They've uh, named their side, of course, as well, which includes uh, uh, Billy Villapola at eight with Sam Simmons. Now, they're both traditionally number eights and strong ball carriers. Um, so that's an interesting selection for Eddie Jones in terms of tactically. How do you think he'll approach going against the All Blacks? Oh, look, he'll work on the he'll work on the blueprint that uh, the one in two nineteen, and uh, that, of course, was shutting the All Blacks down and then dominating in the forwards. Uh, it's, 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 there's nothing subtle about it, Smithy. I mean, this is a big England forward pack, no doubt about it. Um, they've got one, they've got one um, fetcher, if you like, in Tom Curry, but Simmons and uh, Vinnie Polo are big men, and then you combine those with Atoji and um, and Johnny Hill and and a big front row as well. I mean, there's nothing very subtle about the way England play the game, and I don't expect that will change. They will try and dominate the All Blacks up front. And, you know, if this game had been played three or four months ago, you would have been feeling pretty nervous about it. But I'm feeling a little more buoyant about it because the All Black forwards have fronted. Uh, certainly the top All Black forward pack has fronted in the last few weeks. So I think this is where the game's going to be won or lost. Uh, as I say, this, uh, you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to work that out. Whoever wins the battle up front is going to win the game. There's no question about that. And uh, I don't think England will be firing the ball all over Twickenham. Uh, they'll just be trying to be dominant, win their set pieces. They'll probably do a fair bit of kicking. So Bowden Barrett's going to be under a fair bit of high ball, I would suspect. Um, and it's just going to be a compelling contest. 100 caps for Retallick. Uh, also uh, 100 cap for Owen Farrell, who's the kind of guy, I think he's the kind of guy we love to hate. But I, I suppose with 100 test matches under his belt for England, we have to give him due respect as well. Yeah, look, he's been a very good player over the years, no doubt about that. And, um, you know, he's usually played at number 10 uh, in matches against the All Blacks. Um, but he's versatile enough to move out one. And, of course, nowadays with Marcus Smith in there at 10. Um, but they they need Farrell in there. They need his leadership, that's for sure. They need his experience. And, um, look, he's going to be a vital component, no doubt about that. It'll be a great clash, actually, between him and Geordie Barrett. Mm-hmm. Domestically, uh, Nisbo, um, you've been a frustrated but very loyal Wellington fan for a number of years, decades in fact. Not a bad year for Wellington. No, and and it's hard to believe that um, I remember coming back from Johannesburg, Smithy, and my first assignment after coming back from South Africa was to go to Porry Royal Park or Jerry Collins Stadium on a very wet afternoon and watch Wellington play appallingly badly against Northland. And I thought, uh, boy, this is horrible. This is really horrible. And I held out absolutely no hope for them whatsoever. But somehow, after that game, they turned it around and they didn't lose again. Um, no, it was a real triumph, actually. I mean, to grab the Ramfield Shield off you guys um, and then to actually kick on and win the championship and, and win it pretty well, I think. I mean, to go to Canterbury and beat uh, the Red and Blacks down there is not an easy task. And... Uh, no, it was, um, it was fairly invigorating, Smithy. We, we don't win much in the capital, um, as long-suffering fans of most sports would uh, identify with. So I guess we've got to celebrate when we do. OK, uh, and just finally, Nisbo, uh, on the back of uh, the Black Ferns' remarkable turnaround from 12 months ago, of course, winning the World Cup in style, in front of packed houses, etc. What about Wayne Smith now? What, what would you be thinking Wayne Smith's thinking? Look, he probably wants to put his feet up, uh, Smithy. I mean, he, he'll, he'll probably end up, because he won't be able to help himself, he'll probably end up being a gun for hire 
whatever team needs a little bit of help is probably going to uh, get a hold of Wayne Smith's phone number and um, and give him a call. But what a fantastic achievement! I mean, he was terrific. He's been terrific as a coach right through. We all know he had a, a little bit of a troubled time with the All Blacks um, way back. It feels like about twenty odd years ago now. Um, but he's been superb in the back rooms. They, they don't call him the professor for nothing. He really uh, can analyse a game and sit down in front of a computer and uh, and just work out everything. And, and to be able to take over the uh, the Black Ferns at fairly short notice, let's be honest about it, and turn them into world champions, uh, what a remarkable performance. It has been. It's, it's been a, a very, very eventful season for both men's and women's rugby. Nispo, always great to catch up with you. The game is uh, 6.30 uh, Sunday morning, New Zealand against uh, England. Look forward to it uh, with relish, mate. Thank you very much for your time. Nice to talk to you, Smithy. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.